We are so excited that this latest message from Truth Movement Church can meet you where you are today. This message from TMC will help you to apply the truth of God's word to your everyday life. It's practical and powerful. Enjoy his word. But I do want to share with you what God has placed on my heart. We have been blessed over the past few weeks with an awesome series. Um, it said, add to it. Add to it. God has given us saving faith and then told us to add to what I gave you and continue to grow. It is so important to us that growth becomes a priority. Not just existence, but growth becomes a priority. Every day should be seen as an opportunity for growth. And I don't care how old you are, how much you've learned, there's still more to be learned and more room for growth. Um, over the course of this past week or so, I've been spending some time with God, and I have thoroughly enjoyed the time spent. Um, and I'm going to try and grab a few nuggets of what he gave me and give it to you. Um, hopefully, from these passages of Scripture, you can grab something you can use for the next week. Um, from Genesis chapter 15, I'm going to grab a couple of verses there and couple of verses from Exodus 3 and a couple from Exodus 4. We might get over to 2 Peter and then maybe swing by Philippians 3. Why y'all laughing? But hopefully I won't be before you too long. If you would, bow your heads with me for a word of prayer. God, we thank you today for this opportunity. We thank you, God, for how you blessed us. We thank you for just being our God. We are so grateful, God, for what you've done. Grateful for the life that you've given us. Grateful, God, for the people that you allow us to do life with. And we ask, God, that you just have your way here today. Give us clarity of speech clarity of understanding, and speak to the hearts and minds of your people on today. Give them an ear to hear and a heart to receive. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank God. Amen. Uh, we want to talk briefly from a conversation that God had with Abram. Abram being one that God chose to make him a blessing. And when you start to read the story of Abram and how God dealt with him, at some point it might puzzle you just a little bit 
but the, we're taught that the scriptures was written for our learning, so we should be able to glean something from the conversations that God had with him. From Genesis 15, and I might read a lot of scripture today, but I'm not going to hold you too long. All right? Genesis 15 and one from the NIV version. Uh, these young folk got me reading these new Bibles. You know, a lot of us believe that King James is the real Bible. However, uh, the new translation does make it a little bit easier to understand. So let's read from Genesis, from Genesis 15 and 1. It says, after this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. But Abram said, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless and the one who will inherit my estate, Eliezer of Damascus? And Abram said, You have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him. This man will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. He took him outside and said, look up at the sky and count the stars. If indeed you can count them, then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. Abram believed the Lord. And he accredited it to him as righteous. Now, understand that when Abram and God had this conversation, Abram was already an old man. In fact, he was about 75 years old when they had the conversation. And even though he realized that I'm old, if God said it, I believe it. And after God said it, he believed it, and God said, I'm going to count that to your account. I'm going to add this to your account as righteousness. And sometimes we look at biblical characters and we think of them as being special people. They're different from us. That was Abraham. That was Abram. But for some of us, if, if I were to come and tell you that God told me that Miss Martin and I was going to have another child. Some would say, what have you been smoking? <laughs> Others would wonder, what have you been drinking? And Miss Martin would probably just say, you're a liar. Just because one of the fact that we have gotten old. Uh, we, we, we're still functioning, but we're old. Uh, and every now and then when we are feeling real good about what God has done for us, people ask us how old we are. I tell them that I'm old enough to know better, but I'm still young enough to do it again. <laughs> but when God said to Abraham that Abram that I'm going to make you the father of many nations, he believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Verse 7 says, he also said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur 
of the Chaldeans to give you this land to possess it. Now we know how God had promised Abraham, not only is he going to make him a father of many nations, but he, made, he told him, I'm going to give you a land flowing with milk and honey. Now this was the conversation God had with Abraham. And for the sake of time, I want to move a little bit faster. If you go down to the latter parts of this verse, go down to verse 10, it says, Abraham brought all these to him, cut them in two and arranged them. Granted, he Abraham grabbed some animals like God instructed him, uh, cut them in half, split them open, and then God began to speak to him again. And down to verse 13, he says, Then the Lord said to him, Know for certain that for 400 years your descendants will be strangers in a country not their own, and that they will be enslaved and mistreated there. First, God said, I'm, I'm going to make you the father of many nations. I'm going to make you, your offspring and your descendants great. But for 400 years, they will be in slavery. Now, that don't seem like much of a blessing. God, you tell me you're going to make me great. You're going to be my reward. You're going to be my shield. But for 400 years, my children are going to be in bondage. Not only that, but by the time they get free, I'll be dead and gone. I won't get a chance to see it and unless those that come after me pass down the promise, they will never know what was promised to me. So when I was thinking about that, this whole conversation we had with Abraham. Now, Abraham died off. He died a little over 100 years old, but he had a son. Understand that after God promised him that son, it took a little while for it to happen. And just like some of us, when God makes us a promise and it don't look like it's happening, we start doing things to make it happen. So somebody looked at Abraham and said, look, I know you said God's going to bless you with a child, but maybe he, he meant from one of these handmaidens you got. So he went in and had a child from one of the handmaidens, trying to help God out. So they had a child that was not from his wife. And that child became a problem for the promised child when he came. Because they was trying to help God out. But 25 years later, after God made the promise, his then older wife found herself pregnant. Now, can you imagine being 100 years old? And now all of a sudden you got to change diapers, being spit up on every day. 101, now you're chasing a toddler. But the promise now is being fulfilled. God said he would do it. And 25 years later, you start to see signs of God's working. Now, we live in an instant microwave society. We say God promised us something. If it don't show up tomorrow, we start to doubt God. 
because we live in an instant society. I know you said God said he was going to do it, but that was a long time ago. But if God said it, I took a trip to a fast food joint the other day, and I pulled into the drive-thru. I placed my order, got to the window, gave them my money. And once they gave me my change back, they said, pull over into that first parking space and we'll bring your food out. I have to admit that there was some righteous indignation that rose up. Because this is drive-through. You drive through, you place your order, you go to the window, you pick up your food, and you move. I'm on lunch break. It's starting to rain. You tell me to pull into slot one. And I said verbally, out loud, they couldn't hear me. If I had known this, I would have went somewhere else. Because we live in an instant society, we want what we want now. So when God promises us something, God is not confined to time. Abraham had to wait 25 years just to receive the son that he promised him. And then after he had received him, the son had to grow up and have a son. And once he grew up and had a son, understand that if Abraham died around 115, I don't know the exact number of years, but he died as an old man, and his descendants were going to be in bondage for 400 years, that is almost three and a half lifetimes before they get to experience the promise that God made. And if you look at it kind of like this, I believe Pastor Underwood's father's name was Howard Underwood. God made the promise to Howard. Howard never saw what was promised. He did see the son, but he never saw the numbers. He saw Isaac, but he could count Isaac. He died, Wenzel comes along. Isaac is blessed. He sees a little bit of what God promised, but he still didn't see all of it. And understand that when God spoke to Howard, he was living in Cana. Now Howard's gone, and Wenzel is having to experience God. God comes to him and reminds him of the promise that he made to Howard. Wenzel is gone. Then he comes to Jordan. Howard's gone. Wenzel is gone. Now he's talking to Jordan. 
And he says to Jordan that I made a promise to Howard. Howard believed me and I accounted it to him for righteousness. I reminded Wenzel of the promise. He saw some of it, but he didn't get to see it all. Now it's your turn. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. When he spoke to Abraham, he said, Abram, he said, I'm about to change you. I'm about to change your name. Because the guy I started with is not the same guy. When he got to Isaac, he said, I'm going to leave you as Isaac. But when he got to Jacob, he reminded him of the promise. He said, but Jacob, I got to change your name. You're no, no longer going to be called Jacob, but you're going to be Israel. Every now and then, when God chooses to do something miraculous and he chooses to change your name, it will live on forever. The children of Israel were not called the children of Abraham. He did not call them the children of Isaac. But when he got to Jacob and he changed his name, they became the children of Israel. But still they was in bondage. And they had to finish off their 400 year tenure. And while they was in bondage, Israel didn't know why they were there. But God told Abram that they would go into bondage. Some of the stuff you're dealing with in your life, it was not about you. But it was about your ancestors. Some of the blessings you've experienced in your life wasn't about you. But it was about your ancestors. But one day God finally got to the point to where he said, okay, enough is enough. They've been in bondage long enough. I have this boy that grew up in Egypt. Yes, he was born a slave. But his mother chose to hide him by the Nile. Not knowing that when she hid him, he would be the tool that I used to set them free. So they took him, brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, allowed him to grow up in Egypt, in the Pharaoh's house, not really getting to know the God of the children of Israel. Now understand something. That most of the time when you live in an area, you will find yourself 
becoming affected by the area that you live in. Even to the point of changing your language. And it happens without you knowing it many of the times. It's almost like osmosis. You sit in the environment, you just absorb some of what's going on. So Moses grew up in Egypt. Egypt served multiple gods. In fact, some of the Israelites had began to worship their gods, seeing that they was born in captivity anyway. So they never really got to know the God that they heard spoken about. But if you go to Exodus chapter 3, and when you look at God getting tired of what was going on, when you go to Exodus chapter 3 and go to verse 8, it says, So I have come down to rescue them from the hands of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land into a spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the homes of the Canaanites. Wait a minute. Wasn't Abraham already in Cana? When God originally promised him the blessing, he was already in Cana. But now this land that's flowing with milk and honey is the Canaanites. So while you was in bondage, God was building your land. He said, the land home of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, the Jebusites. He said, in other words, I'm going to give you the land of the heights and the ice. And now the cry of Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians have oppressed them, so now go. Verse 10 says, so now go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Now when he changed Jacob's name and they became Israel, the descendants of Jacob are now the people that God is delivering. Now, understand that Moses grew up as an Egyptian. He was trained in the ways of Egypt. But when God got ready to deliver his people, he chose to use Moses. Understand that because Moses really didn't know God the way that the Israelites should have, and he weren't real sure what was going on with him. He needed God to convince him of what was going on. Now, if you look in Exodus chapter 4 and verse 10, he said, Moses said to the Lord, pardon your servant, Lord. I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you've spoken to your servant, I am slow of speech and tongue. In other words, God, now wait a minute. I understand you want me to go and deliver your people. I got to go to Pharaoh, but I'm not that guy. I don't talk very well. I'm slow of speech. How many times have God called you to do something and you begin to point out your flaws? 
How many times have God asked you to do something and you automatically saw yourself for who you see you as instead of who he made you to be? But notice what God says to Moses. The Lord said to him, who gave human beings their mouths? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go. In other words, I made you. I know your weaknesses. I know your shortcomings. But it does not relieve you of the responsibility to do what I told you. He said, now you go and set my people free. Understand that Moses is already free. He done ran off. You know, he done killed an Egyptian, ran off. He's fine. He's building a life of his own. He's doing fine. But God said, I need you to go back and set my people free. There's a nation of people whose fate is relying on you. Go back and do what I told you. Verse 13, Moses said, pardon your servant, Lord. Please send someone else. Now, even after God told him, I made your mouth. I gave you the ability to see. I can, I can make you blind. But it does not relieve you of the responsibility that I placed on you. Go and set my people free. Oftentimes, we feel so inadequate when it comes to doing things for God. And most of the time when we feel, feel that God is calling us, we think of it as being called to the ministry. God is calling me to preach. He was not calling Moses to preach. He was calling Moses to leadership. He said, now I want you to lead my people out of Egypt. Moses said, well, I got out. I don't talk too good. That's, that's all right. He said, since you are uncomfortable with what you consider your inadequacies, I'm going to let you take your brother with you. I'm going to let you lean on him. He's going to be your mouthpiece. You're going to have to talk to him when I talk to you. He said, I'm going to be to you a God. You're going to be to him a God. Because I'm going to talk to you, then you talk to him. But you're still responsible to do what I told you. Just because you got scared, just because you didn't think you could, does not, does not relieve your responsibility to do what God told you to do. And the conversation that you had with God, nobody around you heard it. Sometimes we think we got away because nobody knows what God told us. We feel like because nobody heard it, I can just ride out. They'll never know God told me to do that. And even if I told them God said do it, they're not going to believe me anyway. 
because they know my faults too. So I'm just going to ride out and not do anything. Can you imagine what would have happened if the Israelites was not set free? If Moses would not have obeyed God and went and led the people out of captivity? God didn't choose someone else because he felt inadequate. God did not choose anyone else because he didn't speak well. God said, I chose you. I made you the way that you are. What you see as inadequacies, I made it. God don't make junk. He said, if you feel like you need your brother, I'll let him go with you. But I'm still going to talk to you. And you talk to him. So when Moses finally come to a decision and said, okay, I'll go. But when I get there, God, who do I tell him sent me? Well, tell him that the God of your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and tell him that I am, have sent you. Well, and God told them, they're not going to believe you. Even when you tell them, they're not going to believe you. Now, I don't know how you handle information like that. I'm like, well, God, if you know they ain't going to believe me, why am I going to tell them that you sent me? God said, I got some other stuff that I need to do. So Moses go and do what God told him to do. He tell him what was said. God said, I'm going to give you a few signs that I need you to do. It's going to convince the Israelites, but it's not going to convince the Egyptians. That same shepherd staff that you use when out shepherding the flock, when you get there, I want you to throw it on the ground. And when you do, it's going to turn to a serpent. And so Moses goes and he do exactly what God tells him. He throws it on the ground. It turns into a serpent. Moses jumped back in fear. God says, it's all right. Go ahead and grab it by the tail. Pick it up. He grabs it, picks it up. It turns back into a rod. Pharaoh said, that ain't nothing new. He calls his musicians in and they throw their rod on the ground as well. It turns into a serpent as well. But see, God had a plan to deal with the Egyptians. He said, I'm going to harden Pharaoh's heart so that he won't believe you until I do a work on him. Because he has punished the Israelites long enough. And since he has punished them, I need to punish him. You remember back when he told Abram they were going to be in bondage for 400 years? And because of the way they treated the Israelites, I'm going to make them pay for it? So God would not allow him to let them go, even though he sent Moses to tell them. 
He said, I'm going to harden his heart so that he will not let them go. Sometimes you set your expectations on what you think God will do. And when God don't do what you expected him to do, you feel like he didn't do it. God give you a word. You deliver the word and nothing happens. You didn't get the response that you expected and you feel like God let you down. But God said, my ways are not your ways. Neither my thoughts, your thoughts. The only way you know that God is pleased with what you did is when you do what he said. When you do exactly what God said, regardless of the outcome, God is pleased with what you did. You don't have to change it. You don't have to fix it. When you've done exactly what God told you to do, God is pleased with what you did. But God hardened his heart so that he would not let them go until God had punished the Egyptians. And understand that when he gives you an instruction, when God makes you a promise, you don't have to worry about it. You don't have to put him on no timeline. All you got to do is know that if God said it, that settles it. You take what God said, believe it, and go with it. And understand that God has several different ways of communicating to his people. Sometimes he speaks to them in dreams. Sometimes in visions. Sometimes through the spoken word. God chooses and he knows how to get your attention. Sometimes we say, I don't know if that was God or not. If you say, I don't know if that was God or not, it wasn't God. Because he says, my sheep knows my voice. And I guarantee you, every man in this room could say something. But if Wenzel said something, Kennedy would know who it was. Because of the relationship that they have. Sometimes we desire to do good things. God impress upon our heart to do things. But God does not leave you questioning him. He makes sure that you understand that this is what I desire for you to do. And he knows your weaknesses. He knows your shortcomings. He knows your faults. He made you the way that you are. And he still loves you. And he holds you responsible for what he gave you to do. The children of Israel were set free. And they did not leave Egypt broke. They was going to a land that was prepared for them. A land flowing with milk and honey. But before they left, he said, now go to the Egyptians and borrow some stuff. Borrow gold and silver. Now, you're a slave. And you're going to your masters and borrowing silver and gold. Now, in my mind, I'm thinking, my slave is coming to me borrowing silver and gold. Where are they going to spend it? Where are they going? They must have a plan that I'm not aware of. How are they going to pay it back? But God set it up so 
that when he got ready to deliver them, he had already prepared the way. And the only thing that hinders us is the same thing that hindered them. Doubt and complaining. Doubt and complaining. Doubt and complaining. And sometimes we complain simply because we don't understand. Doubt because we know of our own inefficiencies, inadequacies, inabilities. That's why it's so critical for us to continue to add to it. Because as we continue to add to it, we see ourselves different. We don't doubt whether God can. We know that God has all power in his hands. But because of our lack of faith in us, we'll doubt that God would do it for us. I know he did it for Moses. I know he did it for the children of Israel. But we see ourselves as being different because we know our own faults. We know all the stuff that we did that we shouldn't have done. We all just know all the stuff that we should have done that we didn't do. And we will disqualify ourselves because we know us. But don't you know God knows you too? He knows the end from the beginning. So he knew what you were going to do before you did it. So if God didn't disqualify you, why do you keep disqualifying you? But Moses finally came to the conclusion, did what God asked him to do. He was able to lead the people out with a mighty hand. And God carried them through the wilderness. It took a long time to get there, but when they got there, they were able to stay in the land. And understand that when, God, when they got to the land, God said, now look, I'm not going to drive the enemy all, in one, all out in one year. I'm not going to drive them all out at once. Because if I drove them all out at once, the land itself would grow up and the wild beasts would grow up and they'd overtake you. But as you grow, I'll drive out more of the enemy. As you continue to grow, multiply, need more, I will drive out more of the enemy. So if you want more, grow more. Because God is not in the business of wasting anything. So if you want God to do more, grow more. And see if God won't do exactly what he said. Thank you for streaming the latest message from Truth Movement Church. We pray that you found something in God's word that you can deposit into your heart for future use. To stay connected with our ministry, like us on Facebook or Instagram, or learn more about us by visiting www.truthmovementchurch.org.